Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast about Deep Space Nine by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast at all. <laughs> I'm Adam Franica. I'm Ben Harrison. We're still looking at each other during, and it's still weird. <laughs> it really got me off script for the opener. Yeah. People aren't going to like that. <laughs> yeah, this is that's not the product we're selling, Adam. <laughs> How dare you gently change the thing that I've grown used to over the course of two years. Yeah, I mean, if you're waking up in the morning on a Monday and you're expecting one thing and you get very slightly the other thing... The only thing you can do is tweet or Facebook or Reddit at us about how <laughs> disappointed you are and every decision we've ever made. I mean, in the defense of that way of thinking, I can't think of many good decisions we have made. So no, that's true. Uh. <laughs> I guess the only reaction I have to such a criticism is, I know, okay? <laughs> Uh, we just took a walk with my dog around the uh, around the lake, Judith B. Raskin Lake. <laughs> was it was it fun for you to put put a place to the thing I have described at you so many times? Oh, it's not my first time circumnavigating the Raskin. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of the great places to walk around. I love it. Fun to see the dog take a lunge at a goose. Fun to see some and tur- to see that goose not flinch at all. Yeah, like and actually give your dog a "come at me, bro" kind of look, yeah. like a like a Bob Seger album cover. The the goose is like, "What are you gonna do?" <laughs> yeah, the goose is practicing in front of the mirror with its drawer slider gun yeah. ejection device up its sleeve. Yeah, you looking at me? There's nobody else here, so you must be looking at me. Free plug for that uh, that burger bar down there. Oh yeah, at uh, at Echo Park Lake, that place is great. Yeah, they do a real nice burger. I might even say that the chicken sandwich is slightly better than the burger. I noticed when I asked your advice on what to order, you didn't say that. Was the burger a misfire, Adam? No, the burger is great. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I came into this conversation pro burger. Yeah, maybe it was the right thing for you. It was. I, I feel had, great. Sometimes had, you have a burger and it like ruins your day. Mm-hmm. You ever have that kind of burger? Yeah. This is not that burger. No. I was able to walk back to your place <laughs> from Echo Park. Yeah. From Echo Park Lake. So that's encouraging. There's some talk of eating some Korean barbecue later. And uh, I just thought maybe all of that beef consecutively was not where I wanted to be. What I wanted to do was lay down a covering fire of ground beef (laughs) to soften up my digestive system for the beef to come later. Right. You've been bombing your system with beef for 62 days. Expend all beef ordinance on my position. (laughs) It's a lovely fucking barbecue. (laughs) It's Um, great to be here. Like for as much fun as we make of looking at each other during uh it is a great in-person hang anytime we can do this yeah we just uh we just got to figure out more ways to do it i mean i think that it's been amazing to have the support of our listeners so that we can do things like touring and we're like that uh has not satiated us i don't think like we want to do touring and even more in-person stuff right so i don't know we'll figure something out yeah our judgment has been, uh, all right, up until now, <laughs> which is encouraging. Yeah. No pending lawsuits yet. Right. That we know about. We're getting ready to go to the Star Trek Las Vegas convention. Get a life. We will be broadcasting our pirate signal to a room full of people. Uh, while the con is going on. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I think that'll be cool. I mean, I um, it was always an experiment. We'll, like, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Because, you know, we were like, well, probably our people are interested in going to the Vegas Star Trek con. But also, are they not? <laughs> right. I think... The way that playing a Vegas show works is so different from any other tour date that we have. Yeah. And the the way 
ticket sales operate there. Like, it's just not as predictable as any other show we've done. So I don't know if I'll be surprised if not many people are there or if it is packed. Part of the difficulty of programming it was like, okay, like we know like roughly the dates of the convention and we know that we want to like be there and enjoy the convention, Mm -hmm. but does the convention have so much programming that getting away for one of those evenings is like not appealing to somebody who might be interested in both things? Yeah, I just don't know. Like, you go in there thinking, yes, like, we got a Friday night in Vegas. That's going to be kick-ass, and yeah. I, I expect it to be. But, like, it's a it's a place without a recognizable 24-hour clock. Like, right. Does that mean anything there? <laughs> and yeah. does it mean anything... Oh, is it Friday night? Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, like, does it mean anything during the con? Uh, this is an event that we've never been to before. Yeah. So... <laughs> Really kind of the height of hubris to book ourselves a show. I think it's great. <laughs> I think, you know, it's like uh, it's like a Rocky movie, right? Like you want to see if you can hang in the ring with, yeah. with, the, with the champs. With Apollo Creed. Yeah. And this is like, uh, this is not in the ring. <laughs> this is, uh, this is the parking lot. Yeah. This is uh, down the street from the ring <laughs> in a different building. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but um, like that story, I think ours is uh, is an underdog tale. Yeah. And uh, I'm hoping that we can go the distance and make this thing work. Yeah, Rocky's goal was not to win. It was just to like stay in the fight for a while, right? Yeah. It was like to beat the... To yeah. beat the split or whatever. What was the? He yeah. He wanted to go the distance and and he lost. Fight the, all. He lost the all. split decision. Right. Yeah. Good for you, Rocky. You lost, but in a way, you did win. We will succumb to heavy brain trauma for totally different reasons (laughs) by the end of our Vegas visit. (laughs) Alcohol-based brain trauma, but also probably just like Klingon cosplayers bonking us on the head with their fiberglass batleths. Yeah, you hope that's rubberized loaf you're getting headbutted with, but my theory presupposes is maybe it's like just hard paper mache. (laughs) Well, Adam, speaking of Klingons rampaging, do you yeah. want to get into the episode we watched I, I think we have an obligation to, an oath even, if you will. Oh, shit. As we talk about Deep Space Nine Season 2, Episode 19, Blood Oath. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. So, um... We start in Quark's bar, and uh, a Quark is kind of turning in a Klingon customer for hogging the dual-screen X-Men side-scroller. So great. <laughs> Just won't get off it. Won't let anybody else play. That game is so much fun. Yeah, that's one of the great games. I guess it's not really a game you can hog, though. That was a bad analogy. Who is your guy in that game? Cyclops. Me too. Me too. We couldn't play together. I know. One of us would have to be one of the other dumber X-Men. Yeah. I mean, I guess Wolverine is popular, but I just never saw the appeal. I was never a Wolverine guy. Yeah. I think he was too cool to ever select. I have found that a lot of people come down on the Wolverine and the Raphael, but I was always a Raphael fan with the Turtles, Hmm. but then a Cyclops fan with the X-Men. Hmm. What were you? What were you with the Ninja Turtles? Or was that? Uh, did you? Did you not pick a fave? I was Don. Oh, you were a Donny man. I liked the reach of the bow staff a lot. Yeah. Plus, uh, plus he does machines. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that was useful. How did you feel when when the Marvel universe was spooling out X Men films? How they made Cyclops as a character, as, and specifically like as a hateable. Yeah. Piece of shit character. <laughs> uh, I didn't love it. Um, <laughs> that guy kind of suffered from something we've talked a lot about with regard to LeVar Burton, where yeah. the eyes being covered up really kind of turns the character into kind of a one-dimensional thing. And I think that it was kind of a hateable character that didn't have any way for us to empathize with them. It was pretty thankless. Yeah. That actor is James Marsden, who is uh, in another one of your favorite shows, Westworld. (laughs) Yeah. I love that show so much I started a podcast about it. And uh, every episode is the same. 
and uh, it's actually just one episode, but it is my review of every episode of Westworld, uh, even season two. Uh, <laughs> you haven't invited me to be a guest on that show. I guess it's just I think it's smart as a as a podcast producer. I just want to, you know, I want to like. You don't want to dilute me. I want a little side project, a little sandbox where I can kind of play with my own creativity. Yeah, but like I think I can respect that where Levar Burton really shines on TNG, despite not seeing his his eyes. I think that uh, James Marston did not overcome the fact that we didn't see his eyes in that in that Cyclops role. Another difference between the two roles is that James Marston fucks. <laughs> <laughs> bullshit, man. It's just bullshit. I agree with LeVar Burton about that. <laughs> um, so, Odo, <laughs> not really caring if Quark lives or dies, uh, has Quark shut off the power to the arcade game and the doors on the hollow suite open. And uh, out comes... A very inebriated Klingon. You dare interrupt the battle of Clark de Clarebrat? Who uh, is is quite keen to kill Quark, but Odo kind of stands in between them. Odo twice in this episode uh, displays some hostage negotiator style talkdowns of <laughs> of Klingons at a few different times. Like he is very deft at judoing someone's anger and yeah. like using their emotions to sort of like calm them down like the thing he does to core here is like battle is over the people are waiting to celebrate your victory redirecting his energy instead of trying to stop it's, it yeah. is a thing that people can learn to do at at parties yeah like when things start to get out of hand like you never try to as you said like stop a guy from throwing a uh a concrete block through a windshield. Like, you get him to throw it in the street or something. Hey, you can still throw it. You we'll just... see how much fun it is if you throw it at some pavement. Yeah, how about the lawn? <laughs> I also detected some kind of, like, professional respect that Odo has for Klingons. Like, yeah. when it is revealed that this dude is a Dahar master, Odo is like, oh, like, he kind of cleans up a bit. Game respect game. Yeah. Well, at the same time, like, a couple of times they do things that cause Odo to roll his eyes. You know he could roll his eyes, like, in a disgusting way, I bet, right? <laughs> yeah, he could do, like, the... Uh, he could owl roll the, them, the like... The ching <laughs> the t- <laughs> they come up as dollar signs. <laughs> he should do more fun shit like that. Yeah, if the Ferengis had found him, I think he would, you know? He'd be in a Ferengi circus poor guy such a shame like what what would be the funnest race for odo have to have been found by like uh like what if what if the andorians had found him and he was like trying to be blue and antennae but he was a little goopy about it still i mean i'd like to see what his ears looked like if he tried to make ferengi ears (laughs) yeah just big flat circles yeah there's a couple of uh of klingons here on the station there's uh this guy kor there's also Koloth, who mm-hmm. comes and visits uh, Odo in the security office and and does so in a way where it's kind of like a like a samurai movie trope where Odo like is looking at his pad and he looks up and there's just a guy standing in front of him and he asks him to explain how he got there. And uh, there's a fun like, you know, my name is why and how I got here. That should be enough to satisfy yeah. you. Koloth clearly like left his temple walking out on the rice paper without tearing it (laughs) totally yeah and so uh it kind of gets around that uh bunch of klingons are aboard the station um this is a conversation that odo and kira have in the uh in the ops section and uh we get like a nice pan over to dax where you know, she's clearly just kind of overhearing... Did you say core? ...something else happening in the office, and it makes her realize something may be afoot. This causes Dax to, like, grab Odo by the sleeve and take him back down to the security office, where she basically takes takes responsibility for the still very drunk core. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't recognize her because when he met her, she was a he, and... Uh, Three different times in this episode, she has to explain to a Klingon who she is and who she was and prove it in three different ways. Which you have to assume she 
she had done already as Curzon the first time. Yeah, like these guys all act like this is news to them. <laughs> they have a baby's amount of understanding of like whatever the the person version of object permanence is. <laughs> like whenever she leaves a room, they're like, "Where did she go? <laughs> she must be dead." Yeah, I hope she died honorably. Like they clearly spent a ton of time together. <laughs> I am positive this was explained fairly often. Yeah, what's up with those spots on your face? Oh, well, let me explain. Curzon's like. They're all like comparing scars at the bar, and, yeah, and like, Curzon's like, "A load of Check this, this out." Like, <laughs> points to uh, her kangaroo pouch. Zip. <laughs> <laughs> you know they they meet up with uh, Koloth, the older of the uh, of the two that we've met so far. These guys have been kind of it's been kind of arranged that they are here and they suspect that they are uh, uh, on Deep Space 9 because the third of their of their little band of misfits is like engineering a situation whereby they can pick up Dax to go on some kind of quest. I wish we saw their Klingon ship docked at the station, though, we never see the two things together. We only see the Klingon ship later in transit. Yeah, I wonder if that's just because it's the classic movie model of a Klingon ship, and yeah. maybe it was built to a different scale or something. Yeah, I bet. Uh, it would have been really cool, yeah. Or maybe they just can't get their rings to fit together. <laughs> well, they're uh, they're working on fitting it with a universal docking ring, so right. it could meet up with British, German, <laughs> just about anybody. <laughs> There is a word that gets used throughout the episode that really clangs. <laughs> uh, not to use a possible name for a Klingon warrior, <laughs> but uh, that word is Godfather. Like, yeah. I understand why that word is used so that a viewer can understand that. But, like, we know what a chadich is because of its repeated use in TNG. Like, why not give it the give it a Klingon name and then define it and then make that an understood thing? Like, I don't, I don't like Klingons using and accepting, like, human normative terms for things like this. Yeah, it's like French people using the word email. No, it's <laughs> correct électronique. <laughs> that was going to be my example. <laughs> yeah, you, le I, you left me nowhere to go conversationally, Ben. Yeah, I saw, I saw you reaching for it. I'm sorry, I just I had to jump all over it. <laughs> Did that bother you at all, or is it just me? No, I was bothered by it. Like, that and the thing of... Dax having to re 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 explain that she's a trill and that she's she's still Dax but she's no longer Curzon right is really bad writing and not equal to some of the other really fun stuff in this episode and there's a lot of fun stuff in this episode like the camera like pans over while they're having this conversation and and Kang the third of these old Klingon dudes walks out of a, an airlock and says, I have found the albino. I feel like one thing that we should do before we get too far is is do takes of Kang, Kor, and Koloth just to have them because their names phonetically sound so interchangeable. I know we're going to fuck this up. Yeah. Uh, don't write in if we yeah. fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> These are characters, I guess, from TOS. They are the same people. They came in and they're like, wait, you're going to put us in what? I mean, back in the day, we just did blackface. Why are we being put on all this loaf? They're like, blackface uh, is not cool anymore. <laughs> They're like, it's kind of blackface, but there's loaf, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, like, what the hell was going on? Like, how did the, how in the 90s was everybody like, it's okay to put a white actor in very dark makeup? If you have loaf, but if no loaf, not okay. Like, that's literally the distinction that they're making. Yeah. It it's is. fucked up. I, Koloth is not that, is not 
like I, I think his complexion is pr- actually probably pretty close to his loaf complexion. But Cor and Kang, ee. the loaf can forgive a lot of problems. <laughs> I guess. I guess that's what we've learned. <laughs> the loaf forgives all. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but God, the expectations that they had going into this had to have been blown away by the time they reached hour five in the makeup chair. Yeah. Like, if you're an actor, do you, like, yeah, oh, I remember having done um, Star Trek. Yeah, that that rings a bell. They want me to come back in? I don't know if it's a good idea, because <laughs> if I recall correctly, they put me in blackface, <laughs> and I just don't think that's going to play to a 1996 audience. My grandkids hate me. <laughs> <laughs> My Thanksgivings have sucked for 20 years. <laughs> and guess what? They're not wrong. My daughter's boyfriend asked me what I did when I was younger, and I said I was an actor. He looked me up, and now he hates me. <laughs> this scene leads into another scene in Ops, where Kira and Dax start discussing Body death. counts? <laughs> yeah. They're, like, going over, like, some plasma discharge that they're trying to lock down, and just, like, zero to 60, Dax is like, hey, Kira. How many people did you kill? And Kira is like... What? We've been told that they are very good friends, like the best of friends. Yeah. I'm a little surprised that this is not a subject that they've ever discussed before. It's either that they've never discussed it or they've kind of agreed not to. And it has to be that one. Yeah. Or, I mean, like, I don't know. Is it something you would talk to somebody about? I don't know anybody that I think may have killed anybody, so I don't... But, I, like, if I met somebody that I thought might have, like, if I met somebody and I knew them to have been a former member of SEAL Team 6. Sure. I don't know if even after six beers I'd be like, so, uh, <laughs> what are we talking about here? I mean, the one thing that Dax has to have known is Kira's not all the way great feelings about her history as a killer or as having had to kill like, right, because Kira is proud of having been a member of the Resistance, but right. does not exalt in the death that she had to meet out as a result of that. And this scene presupposes that, like, that Dax is asking in order to get some advice in the way that, like, I. So, how bad is it to waste somebody? It's it's sort of like what. <laughs> How do you ask a girl out on a date? Like it's 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 posed as that sort of question as a as an advice giving question. Yeah. Only it it certainly doesn't get that far. Yeah. The reason that Dax has to ask is that she has caught wind of the reason that these three Klingons are there. Their yeah. meeting was orchestrated as a way to gather these yeah. These troops. Something very bad happened to them a long time ago. Kang, the uh, the third of the of the three Klingons to arrive, has found the albino. And what we come to find out is that Curzon Dax was the godfather of Kang's son, and Kang, Kor, and Koloth all were dispatched like as a team, three ships, three captains, to go kill this albino who was like doing raids and. They killed all his men and stuff, but the albino escaped and promised to kill their their firstborn, all all three of them, and made good on that promise. And so those three dudes plus Curzon Dax formed a lifetime pact that should an opportunity present itself, they would go revenge themselves upon the albino. And this is the point where the storyline becomes very familiar to anyone who has seen a Morgan Freeman movie of the last (laughs) five years. Like, this is Klingon bucket list. (laughs) This is like, let's get the olds together for one last ride. We're going to go find that albino. We're going to put a bunch of meat in between the sheets on his bed. Yeah. And uh, that'll be our Rwenge. What does it mean? It means... Oh, matter. Yeah. Uh, Dax really wants to go with. Yeah. And that is a problem for a group of Klingons who uh, still aren't sure necessarily that 
that uh, they want her around because yeah. uh, while she has made the case that she is what was in Curzon is in her, they're not really feeling the vibe of bringing her along on this on this mission. They're described as looking 150 years old, which I didn't think I realized before this episode that Klingons live very long lives compared to contemporary humans. Maybe it's their uh, their organ duplication that doubles their lifespan from a from a human being. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess we don't really know how long humans live in Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that that's ever been... Yeah, wasn't Dr. McCoy well over 100 in the the premiere episode of TNG? Yeah, but he looked pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, like, he looks so rough you don't want to live that old. <laughs> yeah. He actually discouraged... A yeah. lot of people from making it that far. They're like, we've uh, advanced pretty far, but not far enough. <laughs> During that Pulaski season, when uh, when Pulaski got infected with the old age virus, <laughs> she's like, oh God, this is not going to turn me into one of those McCoy looking guys, is it? <laughs> yeah, so they were go- expecting to go find like an old dude. Yeah. And instead they find a young woman. And I think it's more because she kind of defies their expectations of the person they were going to grab to go on this adventure than anything else. They don't want her to feel obligated. Like Kang specifically says, like, you are released from this oath uh, because you've passed on to a new life. And like Dax has a conversation with Kira about how that's actually kind of like how it works for trills like if not you wind up paying off old debts forever in the dead sons club's defense (laughs) dax does not display the an equivalent amount of vengeance emoting here as they do she's never put any sausages in somebody's bed no and like if she was a little more born to kill in in like carriage I think it would have gone a long way to convince them earlier. But as it is, she's soberly doing the work of convincing yeah. throughout. She, and that's what makes her job so much harder. Yeah. So she goes on kind of like Apology Tour 2018, where she like w- really works individually on Kor, Koloth, and Kang on on like what is going to convince each of you that I'm worthy of this adventure. And... Core we've established is kind of the drunk idiot of the group, so obviously that interaction takes place at the bar in Quarks. Uh, one thing I noticed about this scene was he just had like a big pile of latinum on the bar, like bars of latinum are just like in front of him, and he's not really paying attention to them. But I kind of like that as like Klingon power move. Like I dare you to come try and try and swipe one of these, anybody. I'm desperate for a fight. Yeah, it does seem that way. Like like someone at a casino not guarding their chips. Yeah. The next scene is really fun because it's a demonstration of Bikram Batleth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've turned the hollow suite up to 115 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. And, uh, Kola- and leather is not a breathable fabric. <laughs> Koloth is... Uh, there's some like pretty fun wide combat shots between Koloth and Dax. Like that's a little corny, but it's not as corny as it would have been in like season two of TNG. You know, it's tough when you make that your level of success comparison, though. Yeah, but like when Riker and his dad like yeah. fight each other with Q-tips, it yeah. is corny as fuck. This and- is not Ambo Jujitsu corny, <laughs> no, for this- sure. This is uh, this is Bikram Batleth, corny. Yeah. <laughs> and Dax gets an opportunity to prove herself uh, physically here by replicating herself a Batleth and yeah. then getting it on. I like the the like trade craft of like calling for not just like stock Batleth, but a Batleth with very specific like measurements and weighting and stuff. A warrior's configuration. Yeah, like the bowler with the very specific hole placement and uh, and weighting and <laughs> yeah. uh, and mica paint job. Yeah, and then they somebody finds that in her in her bag later when they break into her apartment. They say, "What the fuck is this?" And she says, "Obviously, you're not a golfer." <laughs> <laughs> she ends up losing this fight. Or throwing it? I wondered about that. Like, because she... 
holds her own for a while, but then is disarmed and on the ground with the tip of the blade next to her neck. And that is Koloth's cue to say, you are worthy of this mission. And I would think that a, a Klingon would be pretty pissed if you if they caught you, like, throwing a fight, right? Isn't it established that Koloth has, like, chronos-based mesothelioma? People who have been diagnosed with mesothelioma have many questions. Like, <laughs> has, hasn't he presented as, as someone with a respiratory illness, or is that one of the others? I don't know. Is he, is he, did, did you catch him, like, taking a drag off his inhaler or something? No, I mean, one of them is coughing a lot. Oh, He's got chronothelioma. <laughs> if was... you or someone you know have inhaled chronos. I'm so glad we're in the same room so you could see how enjoyable I found that without hearing me laugh. Kang in the very next scene ends up getting his his appeal being done at Cork's bar, right? Like uh she has to turn the screws on him. Yeah. It's got to be weird, like, me sitting in that bar and have people come out of the hollow suites just sweaty as fuck. And not knowing why. Yeah. Stinks like sex in here. Morn just comes out wearing a towel around his waist. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't seen Morn in a long time. He's been in the background a little bit. He's grown difficult to spot for me for some reason. Huh. Do you think... When Morton wears a towel around his waist, he wears one of those always sunny dick towels. Check it out. That dude's naked. No, it just looks like it. He's wearing a hilarious towel. Dax convinces Kang uh, of her, not only her warrior ability, but re-emphasizes that she is who she says she is. Yeah. And then... Uh, and that she's as pissed about this as they are as well. Like, she is fired the fuck up about this. I understand Klingons. All right, then. It worked. One thing that has pervaded all of these conversations and interactions is that no one, even after having been convinced, is excited to have her along. Like, <laughs> Kang begrudgingly agrees to have her along, and I think his outshot is, come and be damned. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, it's like that. It's the honor thing, right? It's like yeah. the if we determine that it would be dishonorable not to take her, then we can't, we can't go. Yeah. So that's the calculus, but that calculus fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if there's one thing that TNG has taught us, it's that you need a letter from your parents to get excused from Starfleet <laughs> to go on a Klingon mission. Yeah. This is something that Picard had uh, a great amount of reluctance to grant Worf, and Cisco has the same problem with Dax, because yeah. I mean, Kira Worf has tattled on her. Yeah. Worf actually did it, though. He went and killed that guy. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm. <laughs> you know that must not have made the Federation newspaper because <laughs> you know Dax would have used that as a reason. Yeah. Listen, Ben, I have it on good authority that your hated nemesis Captain Picard allowed this kind of thing and it changed Klingon politics forever. I'm not Picard. But she talks him into it and it's like, it's, it's one of those like, like she's like in the in the ninja costume, packing her duffel, ready to yeah. head to the head to the bird of prey or whatever. Like, not to skip to the end or anything, but the shit does not hit Kira for ratting her out here at all. Yeah, Dax does not appear to hold uh, any grudges about that. Yeah. Which, um, in a real Housewives universe, anytime something gets back to anybody else, that is, there's fucking hell to pay, you yeah. know? Yeah. And they, if this was an episode of Housewives, they would cut to the confidential booth. Yeah. And Kira would be like, she gave me no choice. I had to report her to Cisco. <laughs> yeah. And then cut to the confessional with Dax where she goes, I can't believe she reported <laughs> me to Cisco. <laughs> On Kang's ship, they do that thing in the schoolyard where they like go over the map of the grounds yeah. and they like, they're using a. Uh, computer graphics as the rocks and shells <laughs> and sticks of the thing. Right. But uh, this is a real piece of shit plan from Jump. <laughs> right. Kang, what are you doing? They know that there are 40 guards and they know that the albino is inside this compound. And they like, they're doing the math and they're like, well, if there's 40 guards, they must be spaced out quite a bit because this is a big compound. But 
they would have to be spaced out so much that they wouldn't be able to see each other. So it just doesn't make any sense. There must be either more guards or better defenses than we've been led to believe. And so Dax is writing for, like, let's slink in in the dead of night and stick a knife in this guy's neck. And instead, Kang is like, nope, like, that's not how we're doing this. We're not doing this like cowards. We're going in the front door and fucking kicking a bunch of asses, taking a bunch of names, and either killing the guy or dying trying. And uh, the two... Meeting over. Yeah, yeah, Cord and Cole out there like, I like the way you think, Kang. All right. <laughs> I'm going to go fuck with some gach. Yeah. I'll, I'll see you at our call time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Dax sticks around and she's like, You can't win! Like, we can stand around and say this is a good day to die all day long, but, like, what's the story? Like, why are you bringing us all to die for sure? It's suicide! Like, isn't it more fun to win? Do we even want to win? Yeah. Like, I don't know if this ever gets resolved, the idea of a Klingon that dies of old age, you know? These guys are 150, they're Dahar masters, they're noted badasses. But if they don't die in battle, does that just mean that that like none of that mattered? Hard to say. They've made their choices, though. Like they want to die during this mission. This is suicide by guard. But what if you're such a badass that you just never die in a battle? I mean, you would think that that would be the best outcome. Except for it's never talked about. Yeah. Like dying as like dying of old age horrified Worf. Yeah. Like we heard him talk about that for sure. Yeah. But what Kang reveals is that he actually talked to the albino, like, face-to-face. Like, he went to check out the, the intel that he got before he even put the, put the adventure together. And the albino was like, yeah, like, come at me, bro. Like, let's make this, let's make this a challenge. I'm going to have 40 guys. You guys see if you can make it through the front door. It's a weird amount of, like, location scouting and how nonviolent that, that conversation was. Yeah. So it's interesting because they're, they've been sort of planning a surprise attack. That's not what it's going to be. The albino is expecting them. He's picked 40 guys that are his toughest guys, and they're waiting for them. Like, they, they are on alert. It also becomes clear why none of them wanted Dax to come with them. Right. Do you think Kor and Koloth know about this? I kind of do. Yeah? They if just don't care? If you're in Dead Sons Club... Like, I think, I think you share everything. Yeah. Ten Sons Club uh, is pretty cool that way. (laughs) 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 Um, So Dax is like, like us all getting killed is totally stupid and pointless. And we could actually win this if we're just a little bit smarter about it. And one thing we could do is do some, like, scattering fields from orbit that disable all their phasers. And then it's a sword fight. And... Like, the four of us can for sure take out 40 yards in a sword fight. Yeah, uh, Cisco and O'Brien were just on that lube planet. It's wonderfully soothing. <laughs> that had such a scattering field. I think I can use his uh, what he wrote about in his log Yeah, yeah. to we, our advantage. He brought back a piece of machinery that I happened to throw into my suitcase just in case something like this came up. <laughs> It's, like, it's going to be great. What I'm proposing is that we use the scattering field to disable their phasers, but also we bring a lot of lube. <laughs> morn, 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 dear, sweet, morn, 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 you hear everybody? Morn, stop, have a time. So they get down to this planet, and uh, a lot of sneaking around. We get a reveal on, like, world's dorkiest henchmen. Really dopey guards. Yeah. This really hurt the episode i think yeah like putting a bunch of guys in wetsuits and bad hockey helmets does not make it seem like this is a badass compound that a bunch of like super super ninjas are gonna have to break their way into i would rather have not seen them i would rather it be like sentry cannons or something like anything but what we see here would make this situation seem more dangerous yeah but that they're all just like a bunch of dumpy white guys with visors yeah it's just a why bunch are of, they human like 45 year old white guys with dad bods and they're wearing they're literally wearing wetsuits <laughs> i think if you're not going to do the work of making the albino terrifying visually right and not really making him scary by virtue of his backstory which i mean what he did is fucked up but it's not his method of 
killing them is not especially scary in a Star Trek context, yeah. then you need the guards to be scary or the compound to be scary. But uh, it's it's the masks <laughs> playset, and the guards are dumb looking and dopey. Like they needed to get a bunch of Dolph Lundgren looking guys to be the the guards. Yeah. Uh, or that guy from X Men with the crazy muscle face. Yeah. Like they can, they've got that guy's number number on speed dial. Why not get that guy and just shoot him walking around a bunch of times? This whole scene just felt very safe to me. In yeah. a way that I wish it didn't. Yeah. One thing I did like it is the exteriors are yeah. really cool. Like they definitely like found an amazing location for this. Yeah. And while the insides are obviously the playset from Mesh, the outside is like, I don't know, some kind of Japanese garden or something. It, I always love uh, a practical outside playset. And they smoke it up. Like there's all this like atmospherics stuff like that Star Trek almost never does. Yeah. It's not a it's not a bad soundstage with the psych twenty five feet from the back of everybody's head. It's like a real place, and having those like dopey guards in there is such a completely breaks the spell of what would otherwise be like a pretty awesome assault yeah. scene. They don't pay off the potential of everything else. But uh, we get to meet this albino and. Uh, He's just kind of like an old guy. We were kind of debating, is this dude a Klingon or not? And uh, he isn't. I just want to know more about him. Like, what is he doing here? What are these henchmen obeying him for? Yeah, like, the, is he stupendously rich or something? Like, I it, feel like the shorthand is like, oh yeah, this is a Scarface situation. Like, this is his mansion, yeah. and he's got all this wealth, and he's, like, just killing people that he wants to kill. But that's all headcanon. Right, and if you're a human in the 24th century and you have an opportunity to live inside the Federation where you never want for anything, why, like, go yeah. be in a jungle and pull on a fucking neoprene yeah this life sucks for suit. them yeah i could never be a henchman i am just a normal guy who is between the age of 18 and 30 a loner and lacks ties to friends and family henchman is the worst job you could possibly have in, yeah, a, in this context you don't want to be for this guy <laughs> no you don't want to be henching for anybody <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they like you know they fight through all the guards they do like a you know set off some explosions cut the power break in through the front door and they fight up the steps toward the albino. They kill a bunch of bad guys. Uh, Koloth catches one in the belly, which uh, winds up being his doom, you know, and, and I think Kor gets, gets hurt a little bit too. Uh, and eventually it's, it's Kang and the albino fighting up at the top of the steps and Dax down at the bottom, like finishing off the last of the henchmen and Kang's batleth breaks and he like gets knocked to the floor and he's stabbed and he's like he's in rough shape but Dax gets there just in time to catch the albino before he finishes Kang off and she's kind of having that moment of like am I really gonna do this holy fucking shit and you can almost see like Kira's head like rotating over her shoulder like yeah like the Sears portrait studio uh, her superimposed over the top echoey sound effects like saying that she regretted killing people or something and then um, Dax is about to do do the do and instead uh, Kang sticks the guy through the back and uh, spares Dax the the murder Um, I mean she's definitely killed a bunch of guys Mm mm-hmm leading up to this but this one seemed to like feel like something to her yeah kang ends up dying himself it not seems long like after cores the lone survivor besides dax yeah it seems like the guys that she would she killed that she didn't have anything against would have been harder to kill than the guy that she was there to specifically enact just, vengeance on that's such a great point i mean like, that Dax, guy's just Dax, fucking working for a living. Dax you know? is not clean when she gets back to the station. No. <laughs> and, like, the last scene when when uh, she's back, like, you know, just, like, trying to get some work done at Ops is, like, Cisco and Kira just looking at her like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, she has totally changed in their eyes. It's, a, it's similar to the way that, like, if you work in a corporate environment and just come back from a vacation all tan and relaxed. <laughs> People also treat you that way. Yeah. Like, 
you know, we were all here, here with that working. shit. Yeah. <laughs> I had to answer your fucking phone. Yeah. Uh, no scream to Stovacor. I noticed that too. They did a little song, but that doesn't warn anybody that a warrior's coming. No one's gonna know in Stovacor that that a couple more warriors are a coming. A couple of fucking Dahar masters are coming. Yeah, what's the meaning Stovacor's of that? Stovacor's not gonna know what hit it. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of missed that. Yeah. When Dax goes back to her post, getting the stare down from Kira and Cisco, we get the single brass instrument of moral ambiguity. <laughs> What's going to happen? This is one of my favorite parts of the episode, though, Ben. I like that they didn't tie it up at all, and it's just it's, it's a little just bit some like cold looks. Yeah, it's a little bit like Data and uh, Saul Rubinek, you know? Yeah, it's like. Wow, like we have some shit to chew on right now about what Dax means as a character. Like like we knew Dax had like a pretty amazing backstory and Dax has been through some kind of kind of rugged shit in this season especially, but the fact that she had to like puzzle through the moral implications of what she felt she must do yeah. and then went and did it. Yeah. Is intense. It's admirable that she was willing to go that far for her friends. Yeah. But uh, it's it's frowned upon by those in the Federation. <laughs> <laughs> did you like this episode, Ben? I did. It's it's a fun adventure. Uh, it kind of feels a little bit like Rambo 2, like all the running around in the jungle and like, uh, you know, grabbing a guy from behind and breaking his neck. It's a hell of a combination. They weren't only supposed to take pictures, though. Yeah. But it's a, it's a fun adventure. It's like a bunch of fun characters. It's a little bit of a, you know, vacation from day-to-day Deep Space Nine, but also not without adding some dimensionality to a character that uh, I think has been given some short shrift this season, and yeah. this is a, a great episode for her. Uh, how about you? I don't think it's necessarily fair to allow a costuming choice to ruin what is otherwise a really interesting episode. So I'm not going to let that happen. Like, I thought the guards were a bad choice. Yeah. And I thought it took a lot of the intensity out of the episode to have them look that way. Yeah. So, I mean, I want to be able to to look past that. And in so doing, I will also say that it's a fun episode. It's it's a technically really good episode for a lot of the reasons we stated before. Like, yeah. uh, a lot of the camera moves are great. You get some nice compound fight scenes. Yeah, the, the, the fighting, especially once they get into the, the mashed playset, is fun as fuck. And well-staged and, like, the lighting is really cool. The cinematography is really cool. Like It seems like a little bit higher spec than a lot of the episodes we've seen recently. Pretty fun app, And what would seem to be a very important app for uh, the, the Dax story arc. True. One of the most important things to the greatest gen story arc is the continuing reading of Priority One messages. Ben, you want to see if we have any of those? Let us do it. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message is of a commercial nature. Hey. The message goes like this. Do you have children and live in Tucson? If so, this message is for you. Check out DaVinci Tree Academy. A new, free, K-6 school that focuses on STEM subjects. All students receive an iPad for their studies and do science and technology projects in addition to their normal curriculum. To learn more, visit davincitree.academy. We promise that our staff is nothing like the two hilarious perverts that host this show. <laughs> ben, we know what STEM is. It's uh, it's science, technology, engineering, and math, correct? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Um... That sounds really cool. That sounds like a great, uh, great school and a school that does know what weirdos we are. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That, I don't that, know if I want to be called a pervert. Yeah, especially in a talking about a school context. Yeah. 
<laughs> that sounds like a great uh, place to send your kids. I'm uh, sure that uh, you can learn more on that website. Yeah, if you want your kid to be the Chief O'Brien of the future, <laughs> uh, definitely check out www.davincitreeacademy. That's D-A-V-I-N-C-I-T-R-E-E.academy to learn more. Wow. I've uh, always wanted to get into the academy. I know, and here's your chance. You think they got a Kobayashi Maru at Da Vinci Tree? I mean, I would wonder what a K through six age Kobayashi Maru <laughs> might be. <laughs> Adam, we got another priority one message, and it is of a personal nature, and it's from a sad, sad person named Andrew, and it's for Adam and Ben. Adam, then Ben, because Seattle. I can respect that. It goes like this. I've paid $100 for many stupid iPhone games like Yahtzee and Simpson Tapped Out. My wife said no more, but she didn't say no to this. <laughs> P.S. Drunk Shim Whatever. Whoa. <laughs> Yahtzee's 100 bucks for your iPhone? This is news to me. Yeah, was he, is he saying he spent $100 cumulatively, or did he like... Did he pay to have Simpsons tapped out uh, super points or whatever? <laughs> you know, sometimes you download a game and it's like 99 cents. But then when you're in the game, it makes you buy a whole bunch of extra shit. Yeah. I wonder if you have to buy the dice in Yahtzee. Oh, yeah. And then you got to buy the little cup. Yeah. And then you got to buy the little uh, sheet of paper to keep score on. That cup is available for a low monthly cost of five ninety nine. <laughs> And what is Simpson tapped out? Oh, this is uh, one of these iPhone games that doesn't actually, you don't actually get anywhere. You just like, it's like Farmville or whatever, you know? Oh. I was addicted to it for a long time. I can, I can totally relate, but I also, oh, geez. I, I feel bad if we're like, if we're like exploiting this guy's uh, retail addiction or whatever. <laughs> I think unlike these iPhone games, we're giving him good value. Yeah. Exactly. We've talked about these iPhone games for a while now. <laughs> wait, wait, is this an ad for two iPhone games? <laughs> hey! <laughs> what the fuck, Andrew? Turns in the Buy sad, a commercial sad guy. Message. He's a developer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is... That's great. Andrew Just... fucking used us. <laughs> I tip my hat to you, Andrew. Well yeah, played. If you get get one of those past the goalie at <laughs> MaximumFun.org, slip a personal in uh, at, that is, in fact, a commercial. Wow. I, uh, Three I'd goalies in front of the net, too. Me, you, and Daniel. Let it get yeah. by us. Yeah. Right through the five hole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, the Big Lebowski dream sequence. Anyways, uh, <laughs> thank you, Andrew, and... Uh, Thanks to Da Vinci Tree Academy for getting a Priority One message. If you'd like to get a Priority One message on the show, you know what to do. You go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, and uh, you can pay 100 bucks for a personal message or 200 for a commercial message. What does that money do, Adam? It makes the show possible, Ben. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Shimoda. Ben Core seems to be the only one who's having any fun here. <laughs> like he, he, his first scene is heard but not seen <laughs> in the in the destruction of the Hollow Suites. He seems like the one uh, who's most interested in just knocking a couple of heads together and and uh, and having two ladies on his arm <laughs> at Corks and. And doing all of the fun things about this uh, this violent mission that has been proposed, <laughs> uh, everyone else seems a little bit uh, dour or resistant to Dax's involvement. Cord doesn't seem to take a hard line either way. He's just there to like enjoy what remains of his of what he believes to be a short life. Uh-huh. And I could really appreciate that about him. Yeah, I mean he's lived a long life, but he's uh, he's he's really like. Putting in quality time there. At the yeah, end. what remains? Uh, I think he's expecting to be not delightful. Long. Yeah, <laughs> delightful but short. Um, I couldn't figure out what this character's name was, but my drunk Shimoda was the I don't know lieutenant of the albino. Uh, he was kind of a a, a particularly loafy guy who didn't have the hockey helmet that many of the other guards had. 
He looked a little bit like a thing from Fantastic Four. He just yeah. looked a little uh, clobbery. Yeah, he uh, he looked a little clobbery, but then like during that fight scene in the Mashk playset, they are, you know, there's three Dahar masters and Dax just like laying waste to uh, what are the last of their 40 best men. And he's just standing like up three steps with the albino behind him. Like, get that guy out of there. <laughs> Like, if your job is to protect that guy, don't just stand there like you don't know what to do. He is a Markalian, Ben. No kidding. His race of people actually has uh, a backstory and stuff. No shit. Uh, Markalians have appeared in 34 episodes of DS9. Wow. Good for them. You like to see the Markalians getting out there, being represented, (laughs) etc. Gotta get that, get that, go press that. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org.
Uh, which episode of DS9 will represent our show next time, Ben? Well, the next episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine is Season 2, Episode 20, The Makewees, Part hmm? 1. What? Makewees? Cisco uncovers a Federation terrorist group whose actions could start another war with the Cardassians. Wasn't there a two-parter called The Makewees for TNG? I believe there was. The Netflix description is, The worst is feared when a Cardassian freighter, the Bachnor, explodes while departing the station. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sounds like an exciting start. Yeah. Uh, so, looking forward to that, Adam. Um, do you want to find out if we will be doing a particular type of ep when we record that one? I think we better. We are dangerously proximate to square 62. <clears throat> which would wormhole us all the way back to square 18, which is a Quark's Bar episode. Uh, We could also potentially hit square 64, which is a Starship Mine episode, in which we would have to build a model. We would each have to build a model of a spaceship while recording the episode. (laughs) That could only be the dumbest bit we ever do. (laughs) I mean, I think that the... the, uh, the thing that people would look forward to is seeing the picture of the terrible starship that we made uh, after after we uh, finished recording the app. Um, well, uh, we can auction them off for charity. Yeah, sure. Not that anybody would want that, but... <laughs> the NCSC would be deeply ashamed <laughs> to receive that contribution. All right, so Square 61, Adam, do you want to roll a... A random number for us? Indeed I will. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. That uh, I was momentarily very scared. (laughs) Because we have narrowly escaped both the wormhole and the starship mine squares. And have gone to square 65 with a roll of a... uh, A four. A four. Uh, so, you know, we could still hit a quarks bar next time. Uh, could also catch a wormhole back down to the bottom again, where we no. go through all this stuff, right? That's 87. So. Well, no, I mean, like, eventually, like, oh, yeah, all we, of the stuff we're passing there's, can, there's still, can come back to bite us. Yeah, there's still three wormholes ahead of us on the board. I think that the, what the people really want to hear is a Mornhammered episode. Yeah. But I am... TBH kind of terrified of that. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Well, uh, that'll be the next episode. In the meantime, uh, if you like the program, tell your friends and go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and become a monthly supporter and get all of our bonus content in the donor feed. Uh, Go listen to our other shows that are also on MaximumFun.org. We've got The Greatest Discovery, which is about Star Trek Discovery and... Uh, there's episodes about every episode of the first season, and we're now doing kind of like news and uh, reading the comics and talking to interesting, uh, you know, people who have written interesting things about Star Trek Discovery, and uh, and just having a generally great time over there. Uh, in exactly a month, we will have landed in Vegas to spend the first of a couple of days uh, before our show in Las Vegas around the time of Star Trek Las Vegas, the convention. Yes, indeed. So go to greatestgencon.com and uh, find your tickets there. So many other dates on that tour, too, that, we, uh, that we've added. Hopefully you're able to find one that is, uh, that is close to you. Yeah, and uh, we'd love to see you all out there. Uh, we should thank... Dark Materia for our original theme music and Adam Ragusea who's made so much new theme music for us it's really kind of embarrassing including a brand new custom theme song that we're using on the Greatest Gen Con tour Uh, that is one of my favorite things yeah it's really great and we should thank everybody that goes on social media and tweets and Facebooks about how much they like the show Uh, if you'd like to talk to other folks you can use the Greatest Gen hashtag on Twitter or go to the Facebook group or the subreddit um, you know like we are able to do this because the show found an audience and the more you guys put the word out the 
better the better we can make the show because the more focus we can put on it so um that really helps and all that all those social media communities are really great thoughtful fun and interesting people so i encourage you to get involved find a friend there or a lover even that happens that does happen With that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and another episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine that has formed a splinter group (laughs) for whom Ben has given some sort of weird French name (laughs) because he would be the one that splits off and and forms a splinter group with a French name. (laughs) What would you name your splinter group, Ben? Mm, I'd I'd probably just go La Résistance. (laughs) Of course. La patisserie. <laughs> Le boulangerie. Le bouffe. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.